Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Son of a Blitch podcast. I'm your host, George Blitch. And today I have a very special treat for you. It's a little bit different. Um, Today you will be checking out a discussion that was had um, by Peter McDonald Sr., a Navajo code talker. Um, This was recorded many years ago uh, by a gentleman named David Marroquin, who's a family friend. Uh, He had reached out to me and said he had this recording and he wanted to see if I wanted to do anything with it. He knew that I had done a lot of work with indigenous elders, Native American, Indian elders, and he entrusted me with doing something with it. Um, We had this discussion a few years ago before I had ever had a podcast. And when I finally got these files uh, recently, I realized this is a perfect avenue putting this out on Veterans Day. So um, this is something that uh, the set and setting is, you know, Peter's giving a talk on the Navajo uh, reservation. It's kind of a luncheon uh, format. So you'll hear some background noise for those who are listening um, and just know that there's, you know, people moving about serving food and everything too. So Uh, That's kind of why you're kind of hearing some of that background noise there, too. But I just felt like it's very important to put this out. Um, I cleaned it up a little bit, the audio, but, you know, you're you're still going to hear some things in in the background. So, you know, again, that's the set and setting. Um, Peter McDonald Sr. talks about the use of the Navajo language and developing it in the Navajo code. Uh, It was the only unbreakable military code, um, saved thousands of American lives. Um, historically, in World War I, uh, the military started working with some uh, Native American Indians. They worked with the Choctaw. They had the Choctaw Telephone Squad. But after that, they really started to try to recruit some people uh, during World War II to be able to establish a uh, you know Native code talkers. And so uh, Peter talks all about uh, the history of that and kind of deciphers, you know, how they came up with the code and why it was so important. So it's something that I, I feel like is just historically a monumental um, thing to take note of and, and to check out. I just feel honored that it, you know, kind of fell in my lap and that I can be able to, you know, springboard it out into the world um, and especially do something on Veterans Day. Uh, veterans are my heroes. You know, I just want to say thank you to all of you. Happy Veterans Day for all that have served and all that have sacrificed and, you know, their families who have sacrificed as well. And I uh, just wanted to kind of give back a little bit, um, you know, with a series of podcasts on Veterans Day. And I'm going to be doing a lot more uh, veteran podcasts and organizations that work with veterans and, you know, mental health and different wellness and you know physical rehab. People who are really trying to give back to our veterans, because uh, that's something I really strongly believe in and support. I hope you do, too. So once again, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm so blessed. David, thank you for sending me this and allowing me uh, to to put this out in the world. Um, And without further ado, here is the podcast of the discussion that was had at the Navajo Reservation with Peter McDonald Sr., a Navajo code talker. Y'all enjoy. This talk was in progress when the recording began. Where we were, what we were going to do, what we were carrying, and they had no problem intercepting it shipments of supplies or troops with their submarine or with their aircraft carrier. They're very aggressive. They came down through China, Burma, down into New Guinea, they even got Philippines, as you know, the story of the Khan, Corregidor. They just took every major islands in the Pacific, even Guam, which was America's possession at the time, Wake Island, 
They were down into the Solomon Islands right next door to Australia. And still, the United States trying to get going, having a difficulty with communication. So one guy suggested, why don't we use the Navajo language? Well, this one guy's name is Philip Johnston. An Anglo, just like you, blue eyes, blonde hair guy. And uh, how does he know? He was born he was born off the reservation, but was raised on the reservation as a young boy. His parents were missionaries to Navajo. So he was out here sometime herding sheep with Navajo kids, learned some words in Navajo, serving World War One, got out, was working in Los Angeles, went down to San Diego where the Marine Corps base is, and told the Marines that, hey, why don't you guys use the Navajo language as your code because you're having trouble with it. Getting started, the enemy knows every move you make. You might as well just call them up and tell them what you're going to do. So, of course, Marines didn't know anything about Navajos. They didn't even know we existed. They didn't even know where we lived. But he convinced them, brought four Navajos to San Diego and demonstrated how this thing might work. Of course, Marine Corps was somewhat impressed and decided, well, why not, let's, let's, let's try it. So they asked permission from Washington to use the Navajo language as a code. Well, the Commandant of the United States Marine Corps said, what do you mean, use Navajo language as a code? Well, we don't know, but we were told that if this thing works, and we saw it, it kind of has possibilities. So we need some Navajos. Well, you got to ask the Navajo tribe if you could use their language. So they did. Navajo tribe said, no problem. Go ahead. Well, I guess they know reason no Navajo language. But what they also requested was, we want some of your young people. So they asked Marines if they could recruit Navajos and organize them as co-talkers. Well, Marine Corps said, no, no, no. We don't know these Navajos. They might embarrass us. We're proud Marines. Anybody who wears the uniform of the United States Marine has to be a Marine. And we don't want whoever these guys are running around Marine Corps uniform unless they pass the test. So if you want to recruit Navajos, which we will authorize you to do, we'll only authorize you to recruit 30 and see how they make out. Put them through boot camp. Put them through some combat training. And if they pass all of that, then go ahead with your project of using the language to develop the code that you're talking about. <coughs> so, with that authorization, Marine recruiters came out here in their dress blues, shiny shoes, what they didn't realize was there's no highway out here. 
wagon trails, so they had to travel by horseback from train post to train post, and that was too much. Besides, I that other preserved the nice priest they have in there. <laughs> Blue uniform. They discovered that there were three major boarding schools on the reservation. One on the east side, one in the central, one on the west side. These are U.S. government boarding schools where they put us to school to learn the English language, write the English language. So they went to these schools and made the announcement that we are recruiting young men to fight the war in the Pacific. Well, Navajo young men, for whatever reasons, mostly against patriotic, <clears throat> raise their hands and say, I want to go. So they volunteer, 30 of them, bust them down to San Diego, and there they put them through boot camp. Well, much of their surprise, boot camp was nothing. <laughs> compared to how we lived out here. So then they put them through combat training and they made it with flying colors. Rifle range. Most of them became experts rifle and sharpshooters. Then after all of that training, now this is February of 1942. After all that training, then they brought him into a building like this with a high fence all the way around, guards, and they brought him in there, <coughs> these 30 young Navajos, and told him that you're Marines now. Went through boot camp, some combat training. Now we want you to develop a code in your language. This is the first time they heard about it. Here they want to fight. Now they're told they develop a code using their language. Well, this kind of surprised them because when we are put in a boarding school, we are prohibited from speaking our language. All these government schools that were in existence at that time, I was put in boarding school when I was nine years old. When you're in boarding school, they tell you no more talking now. We don't want even to you for you to utter one Navajo word. No singing, no practice of your religion or culture. It's behind you now. Just speak English. If we catch you talking Navajo, we'll punish you. And I'm telling you they mean what they said. Because Navajo is your first language, every now and then you can't have but a word or two comes out. And they catch you, they take this huge government, yellow government soap, they put it in your mouth and just rub it as hard as they could until you can't take it anymore. Horrible. They catch you again, they make you get down on the floor and scrub the floor, bathroom, whatever. Real severe punishment for speaking now the language. Well, here they are, San Diego, put in a room, 
and we're told, use your language to develop a code. Well, what would you think? Uh, these 30 guys there talk to each other with the colonel sitting. The only person present besides them was the colonel. Sitting there, gave them some tablets, a huge blackboard. Say, use that blackboard. Here's some paper and pencil. Write it down. But whatever you do, stays in the room. So when we went through boot, uh, coat school like that, as we leave the building, they search us. Make sure we don't have any notes with us as we leave the building in the compound. Until we get back next morning to go through the training or school. Well, one guy said, wait a minute. This is, might be another government trick. You remember, we were told not to use our language and we were severely punished when we did. This may be one of those tricks. So they look around for yellow soap holes in the room. <laughs> well, they didn't find it. They asked the colonel the same question. Look, we just came just a few weeks ago from Navajo, where we can't speak our language. The colonel said, no, 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 no. Use the language however you want to. And here's a sample code that military sends to, to one another. So they got the sack of sample codes. They look at it, and they saw that the messages were all in English. English alphabet, A, B, C, D, F down to Z. That was the first problem. Why? Because Navajo is not a written language. So we don't have a word for A or B or C or Z. So how do you send something that we don't even have words for? So they sit there and scratch their heads in the meantime. Colonel just sits there smoking his pipe. And one guy suggested, look, when we went to school, we learned a lot of words, English words, that starts with these letters. Like, he said, like Bilasana. Bilasana is apple in Navajo. It starts with A. So why don't we call A Velasana? So I went to the blackboard, A equals Velasana, apple. So that would be the word, code word for the letter A. How about B? Well, they thought a little bit. One guy said, in the summertime, we take our sheep to the mountain. And there we see a lot of shush. Shush in Navajo is bear. Bear starts with B. So B equals shush. Bear. Now they're kind of on the road. About, about C. Well, a lot of hands go up saying, I know, I know, I know. So about Masse. Masse in Navajo is cat. So C equals Masse. And they went down the line D. Well, Another, some more hands go up, like in the classroom, and say, in the fall, we go out hunting. 
and we hunt for beef. Beef in Navajo is deer. So D equals beef, deer. So they developed words for all the letters of the English alphabet all the way down to Z. When they got down to Z, one guy suggested, hey, I know, one of we call Z Nashtezhe. Nashtezhe in Navajo is Zuni. It's a tribe to south of us. And then another guy said, no, no, no. Zuni may not like us using their name. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get another word. And they were told that whatever word they're developing using should be as difficult and simple in Navajo as possible. So they say, okay, why don't we call Z Beshtochtlish? Well, why to say that? Okay, Beshtochtlish in Navajo is Zeke. So Z equals Beshtochtlish. Now they got all the words for every letter in the English alphabet. Now they're on the road. Now they could at least spell it out, whatever is in the message. But that's too long. Now they don't we don't have words for military organization like division, battalion, regiment, company, platoon. So we need to develop words for those. Well, one guy said, you know, we don't have an army, so we don't have anything like that. But we do have clan systems. So why don't we name these different organizations by clan that we have? I belong to Yucca Brute clan and born for Colden Arm clan. Some belong to Bitterwater clan. Some belong to Salt clan, Muck clan. So, the company was like, let's say, Ashini, that's salt clan. So the word, oh, the word company, we say Ashini, salt clan. And then battalion, we say Ashkishni, that's mud clan. So battalion would be Ashkishni. So they developed words for all the different military organizations. And then they went on to the next part. This is all the military equipment that is used, including different kinds of airplanes, different kinds of ships, all of that. For instance, aircraft carrier. What should we call aircraft carrier? Well, they put aircraft carrier. One guy said, why don't we call aircraft carrier city name? What's city name? In Navajo, that means one that carries birds. So an aircraft carrier would be city name. You have one that carries birds. How about submarine? Submarine, another guy suggested, fish so in Navajo is iron fish. So submarine would be iron fish. And they got names for battleships, destroyers, and all of that. All written down. And you don't take the notes. You leave them in the room, walk out, come back in the morning, and you go over it again. Memorize. They told us to memorize. Use your memory only. You cannot take notes with you. That's why they search us. 
Well, they got down to some other uh, items like hand grenade. The one guy holding a hand grenade. What do shall we call that? We don't have hand grenade on the reservation. So we don't have no words for it. So one guy said, I know. We have a lot of these at home. What is it? No mercy. What's no mercy in Navajo? Potato. <laughs> so hand grenade would be no mercy. Potato. About bomb. Well, you know, we told bomb is carried by a big airplane and they drop all these bombs into a place and destroy them. So what do we have on the reservation? The reason why they stick into things they know on the reservation is because they have to memorize it. So it's easy to memorize something that you're very familiar with. So one guy suggested, what do we call bomb Ayanji? Ayanji in Navajo is eggs. Why eggs? He said, well, I don't want we get a lot of chicken. They sit there and all of a sudden they get a lot of eggs. So we understand that this airplane drop a lot of this. So, Ayanji, bomb equals Ayanji. How about hand trap? And the unit that actually is used to carry the troops up to the beach can operate in the water and then can actually get on the land and go as far as they can on the beach with you. What do we call them? Hand traps. One guy suggested, how about chaff? Chaff in Navajo is frog. So hand traps would be frog. Chaffs. So they got all those words. In the meantime, the colonel is sitting there getting impatient. Saying, you know, now you guys been at this thing for four weeks. Now, we need to get going. Japanese are really taking all those islands, and we're told that we gotta move. So they got at this point about 260 word code words they, that they have written down, and they all 30 of them know what it is. Now it's time for a test. So they put, and after this, they put us through regular communications group. They take us out of the building to another location where all the other Marines who are in the signal uh, battalions, those who would be radio men, are doing their training. There, we learn how to send Morse code, semaphore like the Navy guys, and also uh, learn how to operate the radio they had at that time. These were very heavy cumbersome units, heavy, but 30, 40 pounds. I only wish that they had something like this back in Pittsburgh. It would have been nice to just carry this like this and uh, run out, out into the beach. But we had to carry all that stuff. In some cases, it takes two people to carry a radio unit. But anyway, we learn all of that. After that, then practice comes in. We get separated. 
one group on that side, another group over behind the hill, and then they'll write code. We'll send it using the code we develop to the other unit on the other side. And they write it down, and it's becoming very perfect now. And uh, there are only some problems. They, had, they put in some commas, semicolons, and colons in these messages. But we got no words for that. So they said, well, this is great, but you, you, didn't, you didn't put a comma or or a period or a semicolon. So we got back to the classroom. What do we do? Well, like I said, that's easy. What do we call semicolon? <coughs> that's what we're going to call it. Said, what, is, what is that memo? A black dot that lost its tail. Semicolon, <laughs> <laughs> who's that? Oh, Try it again. So they designed the code as difficult as they could, and it goes from this group to the other group, and it completely perfect. No mistake. The other thing about the code was that if they were to scramble that same code in their regular military code system, it would take time. But this one only took. 20 seconds from point A to point B. And the code, the message is delivered. Regular coding, 40 minutes. You have to select a code you would use, depends on how, what the classification is. Scramble it, write the scramble down, and then send that scramble message. The other guy writes it down in a scramble form, and then he goes find the code, descrambles it or deciphers it, and then the message is there. That takes time, but also more repetition, the more subject to mistakes. So they relay all of this back to Washington and say, okay. Time to go. So the first Marine Division was now ready. They were in Australia getting ready to do their first offensive landing in the World War II in the Pacific. They sent seven Navajo code talkers to Australia to join this first Marine Division. So August 7, 1942, the first landing in the Pacific, first offensive movement on the part of the United States was the landing of the 1st Marine Division on Guadalcanal. Seven Navajo Cotons went in with the first wave. It was beautiful. General Vandegrift, who was in charge of the 1st Marine Division, wired back to the United States saying, hey, this Navajo code is terrific. We didn't understand it. The Japanese didn't understand it. <laughs> but it works. So say, we need more Navajo. So the Marines came back out here and started recruiting and mass 
born in 1944. At the age of 15. Because they are like the uniform. <laughs> <laughs> the bees hurt the sheep. <laughs> so, at the height of the war, there were 430 of us who went to the code school, went through boot camp, combat training like everybody else, and then served in every division of the United States Marine. First Division, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. I was with the 1st Marine Division at first, 22nd Marines, and then end up with 6th Marine Division. So every division had allocation of co-talkers. And every land from Guadalcanal, Bougainville, New Guinea, New Britain, Cape Cluster, Macon, Tarawa, Saipan, Tinian, Guam, Palalu, Iwo Jima, Kowajalan, Inuitok, Okinawa, even in North China. I went, I ended up in North China. All those, every island, every land, Kotakas. Some on ship, where the general and emeralds are, others on the beach, in the front lines, relaying messages that are top secret, messages that reports casualties, messages that reports situations on the beach, requesting different things that need immediate. All of that in NAMO. I'll give you an example of what it sounds like. This is an actual message that was sent on Iwo Jima, on the north side of the island, just past the airport. There is three hills. Between those hills, the company Marines were pinned down. They couldn't move, getting slow. So Navajo Code Talker sends this message, saying, the band not chief beef, that is Kai, they not answer, Kaji Kachin, Tita Tsaka, Astra, Naki, Shash. That was the message sent from the front line to the command post on the beach. Well, obviously he didn't understand. <laughs> Japanese didn't understand it either. Let's see if you pipe that same message to, to the reservation. What would Navajo hear? Because they, they understand the words. What they heard would be sheep, eyes, nose, deer, destroyers, lifting tea, mouse, turkey, onion, sick horse, 362 bear. Remember the word bear? So that's that was the that's the message. 
Well, now we can sit down here. I said, I don't know. Sounds like those guys are going nuts. They're going to come home. So, you don't understand it. Japanese didn't understand it. The admirals and generals offshore and on the beaches didn't understand it. But the Navajo at the command post on the beach, writing this thing down, wrote down, send demolition team to Hill 362B. That was the message. So the message was so uh, difficult. Not even a Navajo would understand what we're talking about, except they had gone through this code school, which was secret. So, the message, using the language, not only quick, effective, unbreakable, the only military code in the history, a modern military history, never broken by an enemy. And during that first 48 hours of Iwo Jima invasion, Colonel Connor, 5th Marine Division Communication Director made a report saying that during the first 48 hours of the Iwo Jima landing, over 800 messages were sent Navajo code. And he said also in his report, had it not for Navajo code, Marines would not have taken the island. That's a lot coming from Marine Corps colonel. Because we, we Marines are very proud. We think we could do anything. Just tell us what island you want. We're going to go get it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the slogan. So, the code that was developed in 42 used all the way through the Pacific War and every landing, saved thousands and thousands of lives. It was so good that when we were discharged from service, we were told not to talk about it. Don't talk about what you did. If anybody asks you, just tell them you were a radio man. That's it. No more. So when we got home, people asked what we did. We said, well, we were radio men. All right, that's it. Got all about it. Until 1966, all of a sudden, we start reading the newspaper. Now we're whole coat talkers. In the World War II, we read it, and someone said, hey, that's us. We were co-talkers. That's the first time we learned that we were co-talkers. But all that time we were told we were radio men. Well, after 1966, 20 years after the war, Navajo Code was declassified. And then we were able to talk about it, but most of, most of us have forgotten a great deal about what, what it is that we did. And we had to go back and try to Remember, and uh, we set up an organization called Navajo Code Talker Association so we can get together 